0: Thank you for joining Crossroads Community Church today. We're so excited about what God's doing in the lives of the people of our church and the lives of those who are listening online. If you have any questions or want more information about our church, visit our website at www.crossroadsccl.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now let's jump into the Word with this week's message. Well, we said last week that if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's one thing that we have the Holy Spirit. It's another thing for the Holy Spirit to have us. So we can have God, but does God have us? Do we surrender our lives? And we say that the way that we have more of God that He fills us in our lives, our hearts, our mentalities, our actions, our attitudes, is as we yield the work of the Holy we yield to the work of the Holy Spirit and what He wants us to do. The way that we primarily do that is through faith, and we do that through prayer. But if we talk about prayer, that's one of those issues that we tend to struggle with in our journey of following Jesus. If I were to take a survey around the room and say, what is your prayer life like? Where, what, what does that look like for you? Maybe many of us would say that, that we struggle in that area. And I say, well, why do you struggle? And some of you would say, well, it's a matter of discipline. I'm just not disciplined enough. And you kind of put it in the category of maybe in those areas where you don't work out enough or you don't read as much as you should, or maybe you eat too many desserts and not enough alfalfa sprouts. And it's kind of a discipline issue. For some of you, when you pray, you you get distracted. You close your eyes and you want to talk to God and you want to pray and feel that sense of closeness. But then after a few minutes, you find your mind is thinking about the episode of CSI that you watched last week. And how did you get there? Well, you started praying for your children, and then as you prayed for your one child, you realized that you needed to arrange a ride for him to to be taken from the soccer game to your house. But then you also realize that his grades aren't going very well in school, and you weren't supposed to know that because he's kept that hidden from you. And you realize you found that out, and you're a pretty good detective. And then you thought about the last CSI episode that you watched. And, and that's how our minds operate. We just get to, tend to get distracted from the day-to-day-to-day. To day to day. But when it comes to unlocking the power of prayer... The key way to do that, as we're going to see in the scripture today, is not seeking more from God, but it is seeking more of God. The way that you are going to get more from God in prayer is to seek more of who God is in prayer. And too many of us, when we come to prayer, we have the tendency to seek his hand, what he has to give, rather than seek his face, to seek and worship him for who he really is. And in order for us to get more from God, we've got to seek more of God. And God wants to extravagantly bless us. But we have to be at the place where we are prepared to understand and receive what God wants to give. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 11 Luke 11, we're going to be in verses 1 to 13. If you're using your Bible app or version, go ahead and turn there. And if you don't have either, we'll have the Scriptures by way of the screen. As we talk about the most important prayer that we can pray. So if you're in a note-writing mood, let me give you the first first truth I want us to lock into. And that is that the presence of the Son guides prayer. The Presence of the Son, God's Prayer, verse 1, Luke 11. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Teach us to pray. Now when Jesus will teach his disciples to pray, it's going to be important to notice that he doesn't focus on the things that we often focus on in religious circles such as what kind of posture you should be in? Should you kneel? should you stand up? Should you have your eyes closed? Should you face in a particular direction? Should you speak in some type of diction or something like that? Jesus doesn't do that because prayer is its seen throughout the Bible as a conversation that we have with a living God. And prayer can take on many forms. Sometimes prayer looks like the address to a great king because God is a king. Sometimes prayer looks like a counseling session because God is our counselor and so we come to God in our pain. Sometimes prayer is just this conversation of joy between two close friends because God is a close, He is an intimate friend. Sometimes prayer is where we go to Him before the Lord and before the forgiver of our sins and it is a confession and it is a mourning. And prayer is a conversation and if you can talk, have a meaningful conversation with a friend, you are at the very place you need to be in order to have a conversation with God, because it's communication. I, I've give this illustration before, but I like when people give me cards and and sometimes I get one of those Hallmark cards and and I know people will search those out and they'll look for the the expression that's in the card, the poetic statement or whatever type of thing that, that is very well written and very well thought out and that's good and it's meaningful and I can read those but do you know what means the most to me when I get a card? It's the statements that people write to the side of the card or to the side of the expression. It's the stuff that I see written in their own hands because I know it's directly from them. It's not as poetic, it's not as beautiful, it's not as flowery, but it's their communication to me. And so it is when it comes to God. God is not looking for anything special from you except your honest communication The outflowing of your heart and your expression of your love to to Him. And when it comes to prayer, it is so vital to understand that the most important thing about communicating with God, it's not what we say to God, but it's what God has said to us. It's what God has said to us through the cross of Jesus Christ, so that when we pray, Jesus says, if you ask for anything in my name, I will give it to you. And so we pray in the name of Jesus because we have no right to ask anything of God except through the cross of Jesus Christ. Only through that can His promises and His blessings and all of the resources that are given to us through the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit be provided. It is because we have become followers of Jesus through the forgiveness and the cross. And so when I am praying, I am not praying by my goodness because I have no goodness to offer to God. I pray according to the goodness of Jesus Christ. And so that is why at the end of a prayer, I always pray in Jesus' name. Because it's only his name that can cash the checks that I'm taking from heaven. Amen. Number two. The parenting of the Father is realized in prayer. The parenting of the Father is realized in prayer. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father. As the disciples would have heard Jesus say, that you can address God as Father. This would have just been a jaw-dropping, revolutionary statement. Because in all of ancient literature, we never have anything written or described where any religious people or any religious or philosophical writings where God is addressed directly as Father. Sixteen times in the Old Testament, God is compared to the Father, or He is said to be like a Father, but He is not addressed directly as Father. But in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, Jesus is addressed as Father 165 times. And all of the other religions take Islam. Where they worship Allah. Allah has 99 different names, but never is he referred to as Father. This is unique to the Christian faith. And as Father, it means that God is unreservedly, unconditionally, and totally committed to your well being as His child. We don't refer to God as boss, you can have a good boss. You can have a boss that is fair. You can have a boss that is caring. But we don't refer to God as a boss because a boss is only as good as in relation to the employee. When that relationship ends or stops when it comes to a particular task or job to be done, then there's no longer a boss. But when God is our Father, the relationship never stops and nothing can break it. And it means that God is unreservedly connected to us as his children so when we refer to him as father that means that we are the center of his attention we are the subject of his concern we are the recipient of his time we are the focus of his planning and so out of this sense of god being our father jesus goes on he says hallowed be your name We pray that God's name will be honored through our lives and through all of our activities and the work that we do. Your kingdom come, that is a prayer for intercession, that in all of the situations of our life, we can pray that God's power and resources from heaven can come to bear upon the earth. Give us each day our daily bread, that supplication. All of the things and the issues that stress us, we can go before God and we can trust God is going to supply our daily needs. Forgive us our sins. It's a confession of our guilt and where we're falling short. And we can come clean before God, a God who has promised to forgive us and accept us. goes on, it says, For we also forgive everyone who sins against us, It is a prayer for healing and reconciliation in our relationships and lead us not into temptation. It's a prayer about spiritual warfare. The cool thing is that when you go through the Scripture, the Bible is so clear that God is an extravagant, repressible, almost wasteful giver to His children. God wants to bless us in a way that is overwhelming. You think about the parables that Jesus taught. You know, in those parables and those stories, there was always this kind of godlike or the person who was was characteristic of the the godlike or the father figure. And in every parable, he was always a lavish giver. Think about the parable of the sower and the seed. The sower goes out into the field, and he just extravagantly throws out all of this seed, even though most of it will not take root or grow. You think about the king who forgives the debt of the servant, and he forgave 10,000 talents, which would be the equivalent of millions and millions of dollars today, and he just forgives them. You think of the vineyard owner, and he paid his workers, extravagant wages beyond what they had worked for, beyond what they deserved. You think of the story of the prodigal son of the father who gives his rebellious son half of his inheritance. And the son goes and wastes it, then he comes back to his father, and then the father throws this lavish feast. You think about the owner of an estate, and he gave all of it, three months' worth of wages to his to the workers, to the tenants of that estate while he was on a trip. You think of the king who had this wedding feast an invitation, and he invites all of the people who are the, the outcasts and the undesirables to this wedding feast. In every picture that Jesus portrays of the Father is someone who gives lavishly, extravagantly, almost wastefully. Think about The miracles of Jesus. Whenever he did a miracle, he he tended to be almost wasteful to the point of how he would bless people. Think about the the wedding at Cana. And it was there that Jesus turned the water into wine. If you look at that story in John chapter 2, Jesus produced about 150 to 180 gallons of fine wine. That's a lot of wine at a party, isn't it? More than they need it. You think about Jesus turning the loaves and the fish, multiplying them. And when they were done, they had 12 baskets full that couldn't be eaten. And Jesus over-catered for that situation, didn't he? Jesus was fishing with his disciples, and out of nowhere, the disciples caught 153 fish. More than they could hold and it almost capsized the boat. And the fact is, is that when Jesus blesses us, he blesses us with more than we can handle. He is an extravagant, wasteful giver, if you will. But why don't we see more of this? Why don't we see more of God's blessing and provision within our lives? And I think the reason is, is that we do not see more from God is because we don't seek more of God. Because we're not at a place to be able to handle all that God wants to give. I have a friend I grew up with. His name was John. And John grew up in a very wealthy home. His dad was extremely wealthy. And his dad had passed away when John was in his early 20s. And he left his his son, John, this incredible inheritance where he would have been set for the rest of his life, probably millions of dollars. But when John received this inheritance from his father, it ruined him. Because instead of learning discipline and work habits and skills for the marketplace... John just became lazy and spent the money on things that he shouldn't have. And I look at John today and his life is ruined because he was given extravagant blessing at a place in his life where he could not handle it. You think about 70% of lottery winners, what happens to them? They go into bankruptcy. Because though they've given been given a blessing, if you will, incredible resources, they're not at the place that they can handle it. And folks, God is not going to extravagantly bless us until we're at the place where we have the capacity to understand and utilize the blessings that he's given. And so Jesus will go on in this parable, this teaching about prayer, to talk about that, We must need to seek more of God before we seek more from God. So it goes on in verse 5, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. And I can't get up and give you anything. Jesus tells this kind of story. You've got a situation where you're in the Middle East at that time and the lights are pretty much off at 8 p.m. I mean they didn't have lights. That's when the sun goes down. And everybody's been in bed, and when it's 12 p.m., I mean that's really late. For a lot of us, it's kinda like, oh, 12 p.m., that's or you know, midnight. That's a great time to eat breakfast, you know. I love midnight. But then, I mean, that's when they're in a deep sleep, and they didn't have a Motel 6 where Tom Dad has promised to, to leave the light on for you. If you went to an inn at that time, these were kind of seedy, backward places that, that you really didn't want to hang out. So you go to a town, and hopefully you knew somebody, a friend, or maybe you knew a friend of a friend, and you go there and say, you know, can, can I crash here? And so a guy goes, and he crashes at this place, and he's hungry. He says, do you have anything to eat? He said, no, I don't have anything. And so this friend will now go to another friend where he's hosting, and he says to his friend, he knocks on the door and says, look, I've got a friend here. He needs something. He's been traveling. Do you have anything? And we have to realize that this is not an emergency situation. It's not like he's saying, okay, my friend's wife is there and she's fallen, and she can't get up and she's bleeding out of her ears. It's kind of like he came over and he says, do I have some Pop-Tarts? I don't have any Pop-Tarts. Do you got some Pop-Tarts, you know? And the guy says, what are you doing? You're going to wake us up. You're waking up my children. Go away. But this guy will not take no for an answer. Verse 8, Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up, and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. The point is here is this. If this friend will step up to a situation in a non-emergency issue, and this friend will respond to the continued request, to the continued asking of this friend, how much more will your father, who has this unconditional and totally committed relationship, respond when you continue to persist and approach him? When this friend who is asleep and will be inconvenienced and will respond out of his convenience, respond to this guy, how much will your father, who is never asleep, who is always awake, who is always vigilant to your needs, respond to your request? When this friend who has limited supplies... Will, hard, will, will respond out of just his lack? How much will your father, who is an extravagant giver, who can create everything from nothing, who has limitless options and supplies, how much more will he respond? And so Jesus will go on. He says, here's the lesson. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? And now Jesus lays out the most important prayer in verse 13 in spades. He says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to get good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The third truth I want us to lock in is that the power of the Holy Spirit grows our capacity for prayer. The power of the Holy Spirit grows our capacity to prayer. The greatest thing that God gives to us, the greatest gift in prayer, is that He gives us himself. And as we seek the Holy Spirit, as we seek God's will, God enlarges our capacity to be able to realize his blessings. And so in prayer, the more we seek of God, the more we're ready to get from God. Now, for some of you, you look at this and you think, that's nice. I can have more of God. I can have more of the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's okay. But right now, My bills aren't completely paid, and I'm way behind. And if God would just pay my bills, that would bring me real happiness, and that would bring me real joy. Right now, I'm lonely in my life. And if God could just bring me a spouse, that would make me real happy. Right now, I've got some physical issues. And if I could just get a good, clean bill of health, that would make me happy, and that would really bring joy into my life. Right now, I'm at a job that I don't really care for. And if God could give me a new job, that would make me really happy and that would bring me more joy. Verse 13, yeah, that's okay. Think about an eight year old boy. He's playing with his truck, his little toy truck, and the toy truck breaks. So he goes to his mom and dad, he's crying. He says, My truck broke. I, I want a new one, or I want you to fix it. And the mom and dad have just received news that there was a relative who had passed away who had left him an inheritance of a hundred million dollars. And mom and dad say to the eight year old boy, Hey, we've got news for you. You have just inherited a hundred million dollars. And the boy, how does he respond? I don't care. I want my toy truck fixed. But don't you realize what you've received? A hundred million dollars. And the little boy says, no, it doesn't matter to me. I just want my truck fixed. And the boy can't appreciate the gift that he's been given because he doesn't have the capacity or the maturity to understand what has been gifted to him. And folks, we're on the same boat God has given us the resources of the Holy Spirit. And we say, no big deal, I just want this fixed. But God says, I've given you myself. I understand that, but I really just want this taken care of. But I've given you a relationship with me. I understand that, but here's what I really need from you, God. And the reason why we're ineffective in prayer is that we're seeking more from God rather than seeking more of God. And the fact is, is that we're not satisfied with what we have now. Even though it is given, we've been given way beyond what we deserve. And if we're not satisfied with what we have now, we'll not be satisfied if God gives us more later. If we're not at a place where we're content within God's timing in worshiping God, For his perfect timing and his perfect will, and worshiping him for what he has given to us now, we'll not be happy with no amount of what he gives to us later. And until we seek more of who God is, more of who God is now, we'll not be more happy if he gives us more later. So, what do we do with this? How do we take what we're hearing or learning on Sunday? and translating it into Monday. Well, let me give you a couple of encouragements. Number one is this. Seek for God to sustain you. When you are in the place of prayer and God is not answering your prayer, seek for God to sustain you. How many of you, when you are parents and get smaller kids, and you're on a long trip on a long journey and, and you're in the car, and what's the most common question you hear from the backseat of the car? Are we there yet? How long? How much longer, Mom and Dad? How much longer? And I know when my kids are real little, I would try to give a rational answer. I would say, well, we're 170 miles out. It'll probably take you two more hours. Okay, thank you. Ten minutes later, how much longer before we get there? And so, well, it's now going to be 160 miles or whatever. And then 10 minutes later, and so as a parent, I realized, you know what? what, No answer I give them is going to satisfy. So I always gave them this answer, uh, we're closer than we've ever been. And that's what I'd always say, well, how much longer? We're closer than we've ever been. And that was true. And the reason we're often like that in prayer God, are we there yet? How much longer? And if God gave us a rational answer, our three-pound brains aren't able to comprehend it and appreciate. And so the reason why prayer is so futile for many of us in such a frustration is that we're, we're look at seeking more from God than we are of seeking more of God. And so in the midst of prayer, we have to simply say, God, I worship you. God, I trust you. God, I am content in you. Someone has said that when it comes to answered prayer, there's three answers that God can give. Yes, no, and you've got to be kidding. And many, some of us have been on the receiving end of that last one. But when we are seeking more of God than seeking more from God, there's really only two answers that God gives. And one is yes. God says, yes, I will answer that. I will provide that for you. The second answer is, wait, I've got something better. And the fact is, is that when we're seeking more of God than we are seeking from God, and God says, wait, we know that he's got something better, and that God will answer the prayer according to a level of infinite and wise knowledge that he has that we don't have. And he answers the prayer in such a way that we would ask it if we knew everything that he knew. And so when God says, wait, he's preparing us for something bigger and something better. And sometimes in the process of waiting, we need to seek more of his face than we seek his hand. Because we're going to be at the place that we can receive what God wants from us. For some of us in our prayer time, we might be crying out for our children. Dear Father, bring my son, bring my daughter home. Lord, they've turned from you. Lord, they're they're not following you. Bring them home and bring them to a place of safety. And God says, wait, I'm going to do something even bigger. It's at their place of rebellion that God is going to meet them, that God is going to put influences in their lives so that they will turn to the Lord. And as they turn to the Lord, they will also bring others to the Lord. They'll be a disciple who makes disciples. And He'll do even more than just bring them into the safety, into the comfort of your own care, your own home. But God wants to do something bigger. He wants to make them disciples And to encounter him face to face and have a first-hand faith rather than a second-hand faith. that just comes from mom and dad. You think about Joseph. How many times he would have prayed, God, deliver me from this prison. Deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. And God says, wait, I'm going to do something bigger. Because in your prison experience, I'm going to prepare you to be a leader of Egypt who will help to deliver your family from the famine. David many times is a fugitive. We see in the Psalms, he prays, God, deliver me, deliver me from Saul. And God says, wait, because I am using your difficulties to prepare you to be the king over Jerusalem and Israel. Some of you, maybe you're a husband. You've been in these tensions, a difficult relationship with your wife. And you've prayed, God, just make the relationship better. God, help us just to get along. Help us to stop fighting. And you're seeking something from God, but God is wanting you to seek something from Him. And God looks at you and He says, you know what? Just wait. I'm going to fix the relationship, but before I fix the relationship, I need to fix you. More than just getting you all to get along, I want to change you. Rather than just changing your marriage, I want to change your heart. And I want to have access to your heart and to deal with the areas of stubbornness, the areas of insensitivity that has caused this friction within your relationship. And God begins to work within your heart and to fill himself more in your life. And you say, God, all I wanted was just a good relationship with my wife. But God says, I want something even more I want a good relationship with you so that I can lead you to be a leader and to have a good relationship with your wife. Some of you say, God, bless my work. Make it prosperous. God, make me successful. We want his hand, but God says, I want to do that, but just wait. I want to do something even more. In fact, I'm going to lead you through some difficult and some challenging times. Because if I bless you and I make you successful and I help you to continue to climb up the ladder of success, pride will go to your head. And you'll forsake me and you'll turn away from me. And I won't be important to you in the way that you need me to be. But God says, just wait and I'm going to take you through some challenges. I'm going to have you walk through some hardships. And as you walk through that, I'm going to humble you and I'm going to teach you to be a servant And I'm going to teach you to be at a place where I can bless you, where I can give you more so that it won't go to your head, and so that when I do bless you, your life will bless others. And folks, when we're in this place of being filled with the Spirit, too many times we're discontent because we're seeking more from God than we're seeking more of God. Number two, seek for God to satisfy you seek for God to satisfy you. It's when I come to the end of myself that I'm ready for more of God. When I'm at the place in my life where I, I've come to the end of what I can do, I'm at the place where I can trust God to do what only He can do. And when you and I are at the place where we realize that God is all we have, then we're at the place of realizing that God is all we need. And that is a place of freedom. And that is a place where God can pour out more blessings upon us. Because when we seek more of God, we're at the place we can seek more from God. Well, I want to invite the worship team to come forward. And I want to ask you to stand. And I want us to close with a scripture from Ephesians chapter 3. One of the remarkable things as you read through Paul's letters and all of his letters to the churches, when they faced all kinds of difficulties, all kinds of challenges, never once does the Apostle Paul pray that their circumstances will become better. Never once does Paul pray that that their ship will come in or that they'll have a sunny day or that things will start going their way. Rather, in every situation where Paul pray, prays, he is praying that the churches, the Christians will not get more from God, but they'll get to know more of God. And so in this situation, in Ephesians chapter 3, I want us to read verses 20 and 21, which is a prayer that each of us can pray each and every day. Together, verse 20, please. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So we come to a close maybe this morning you're at that place where you would say God is all I have and if you are God is all you need God sometimes works the situations the circumstances in our lives in such a way to bring us to the end of ourselves so that we're at the start of where he really wants to work in our lives Maybe that's where you're at this morning. I'm not for sure your situation or circumstance, but the prayer that Jesus gives us to pray is, Lord, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Allow me in this circumstance to know more of you, to obey you, to to grow in likeness of you, develop my character. Not, Lord, get me out of this, but, Lord, what can I get out of this?